Hi, and welcome to the Movement and Mindfulness Podcast with me, Erica Webb of Erica Webb Yoga and Pilates. In this podcast, I, along with my guests, will explore what it means to move as an act of self-kindness and self-discovery. We'll look at the ways movement, mindset, and mindfulness support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I truly believe that movement has the ability to expand our capacity to show up for the things that are important to us. And I'm here to help you embrace the idea of movement as a powerful tool for wellness, rather than just another thing you think you should be doing. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I'm Erica, and as always, super stoked to have you with me. So today, it is just me, little solo episode, and I wanted to talk about something that has popped up in a few yoga teacher forums that I'm a part of in just the last couple of months. And this is the idea of what it is safe to teach remotely and what it is not safe to teach remotely. So over the last few months, pretty much every yoga teacher across the world has either stopped teaching yoga or has started teaching virtually because of the coronavirus pandemic. And things are sort of starting to to go back to in-person But over the time of that lockdown, there was a conversation in the yoga community about what was safe to teach over camera and whether people should have their cameras on and how to get people to put their cameras on versus, you know, what did you have to not do as a result of not being in the room with someone? And I think this is a really interesting little area because my personal opinion is that you're not in charge of somebody else's safety. And so to me, I'm like, hmm, that is an interesting little idea. And I'm not going to suggest that my opinion is the right opinion. It's just my opinion. But I found myself sort of reading through these comments and these threads thinking, you know, what what is it about this that kind of makes me uneasy? And so we're going to dive into that. One of the things that I do want to let you know before we dive too deep here is that I would love you to head over to my website. It's www.ericawebyoga.com.au. Put in the forward slash upper body reset, and I'll put this in the show notes, but that's where you can go to grab a free 25 minute class. And it's a really you know, lovely way just to unwind your upper body if you've been at the computer all day or just feeling kind of tense because we all sort of feel like maybe we're holding the, the weight of the world on our shoulders at the moment. So just wanted to offer that to you. Um, it is maybe a little bit of a different approach to, to yoga than you might have experienced before if you haven't done any sessions with me. So I'd love you to give that a go. So let's dive into my thoughts around this. So I think that when we talk about, you know, what is it okay to teach, let's ignore the fact for a moment that it was, you know, we're talking about a virtual scenario here and let's just talk about what is it safe to teach in general. And this is really interesting because who gets to say what is safe in your body or not? The interesting thing about safety is that it's determined moment by moment within your body, your nervous system is picking up and making a decision about whether or not what you're doing is safe. And that safety is based on a few things. One of them is like your external environment, what your nervous system is picking up about 
what's going on. So, you know, is there a tiger in the room with you as you practice? That sort of thing. It's also picking up on your thoughts and it's picking up on, you know, how well you slept, how strong you are, how much control it believes you have over certain ranges of motion. And so when we start to think about safety from that perspective, we realize that, you know, one movement we can't deem safe or unsafe because it really is dependent on whether or not your nervous system is going to give you access to that range because that's how that works. Your strength and your flexibility and your capacity to do a movement or a pose or whatever is determined by whether or not your nervous system grants you the strength, the flexibility, and the capacity to do it. And that's going to be based on a whole bunch of different things. So we've all been in a situation where we've, you know, been able to do something that maybe we didn't expect. You hear these stories about mothers lifting, you know, buses off babies and things. And I think we've all been in a situation where we're like, wow, I smashed that. Like I really didn't expect I could do so well. And then we've also been in situations where we're like, why can't I do this today? Usually this is okay and I can I can make this happen. And the reason is because our nervous system is picking up on different information and it might be information that we're not even really aware of. So that's often why, you know, if you've had a crappy sleep the night before, some of these things feel harder to do. So to make a blanket statement that XYZ pose is safe or unsafe for everybody in my classroom is is short-sighted, I think. The second piece of this is that where does responsibility lie? Who is in charge? And an individual level, your nervous system's in charge. It's going to make the final call. But when you're in a situation where perhaps there is a perceived power differential, and I say perceived because I don't think that anyone should be put on a pedestal in the yoga room, but when you walk into the room, are you deferring your power to the person at the front? And if we're talking about virtual, same thing. Are you deferring your power to the person on the other side of the screen? And if that rings true for you, if you're like, actually, yeah, I think I do. Let me assure you that I have been there and I, and I still go there sometimes. But what is interesting is to recognize that that person can never have the access to the information about your body that you do. In somatics, we talk about the soma and the soma being your kind of lived experience of your body, this capacity to kind of like feel into how you are from the inside out. When we are with the teacher, we are being helped from the outside in. And that's a really different relationship to the body. And absolutely, it can be useful. 100%. A teacher can point out things that perhaps you don't see yet. A teacher can help you kind of play with what is possible. So I think that, you know, a good teacher is invaluable. Absolutely. But don't be fooled into thinking that they are the ones in charge because you are always in like an open dialogue with your practice. If you are standing on your mat, believing the words coming towards you from your teacher to be instructions rather than invitations, I would invite you to reconsider that because every instruction is an invitation and you get to choose whether or not you're going to say yes to that invitation or 
let me see how I feel on the night or no, not for me. And, you know, as, as students, that can be hard because we are, you know, wanting to please generally the person at the front of the room or we're wanting to look like everybody else or we're wanting to live up to the standards that we've set for ourselves. But what I can tell you is that being in a place where you are more focused on learning to read your own signals better rather than just kind of blindly following along, that is where true mastery lives. We're not trying to master poses. We're not trying to be the best. We're trying to live more clearly in our own being. And the best way to do that is by paying attention, paying attention to all those little signals that we most often push away and ignore. And for anyone out there who might be a teacher who's listening and thinking, oh, okay, haven't thought about it like this before, same invitation, like is your instruction invitational? Are your students clear about that? I think it's really important. Sometimes when I'm teaching, I laugh because I say, oh, you could do this, but it's optional. This one's optional. And then I laugh because I say, well, it's all optional. You know, it's all optional. has to be. I'm not going to force you into anything. And so, you know, then we can come to this idea of like poses that are perhaps considered more dangerous, more extreme. Now, I don't teach poses like that as a general rule. But what I can tell you is that a seemingly seemingly innocuous pose can be injurious to someone if they're not ready for it. I mean, you know, how often do you hear about somebody doing their back, in inverted commas, when they were doing up their shoelaces or unstacking the dishwasher, being there, or, you know, doing something that just seems to be like totally normal and shouldn't have that effect. So we don't have to be doing extreme things to be in a place where our nervous system says, whoop, we don't got this. And so I think we need to reconsider this idea of of things being inherently safe or unsafe and inherently gentle and kind and not. Yoga is not inherently kind if you're not stepping onto the mat with that intention. And so, you know, checking out for ourselves, like who have I put in charge here? Where am I taking responsibility and where am I not? And I think teachers really can consider how do we empower and I don't I don't always love that word because it's like we're gifting that to someone we're not gifting anything but how do we support our students that's probably a better way to talk about it how do we support our students to become their best teachers like as in they are their best teachers not us how do we support them to ask the right questions to be aware enough to be able to become their own best teacher. That doesn't mean that they lose us as a guide because we have really valuable, you know, ideas to explore. But ultimately we are not, you know, in charge. (laughs) And for the students, where do you put that sense of responsibility? Are you outsourcing it? And if you are, I understand that it can be hard to rein it back in. And because we do it for so many different reasons, right? There's just so many stories wrapped up in that idea. 
But if you do, if you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, I do give away my control here, I do kind of like divert responsibility to the front of the room, how can you start to play with it in just little tiny bite-sized chunks? You know, it's, it's well and truly worth it because the reality is when you step off your mat and you go back into the rest of the world, you know, where are you taking responsibility there? You're still doing movement. We move every day. And, you know, our, our job, I think, is to get to understand our own body better, not to be told about it from the outside, to understand it better from the inside out. So I'd love to know what you think about that. It's a big topic. It's a big idea. And I'm, you know, just want to give you a bite-sized chunk because I do like to keep these sort of Monday musings nice and short. But I really would love you to come over and, and let me know how that sort of sits with you. You can find me everywhere as at Erica Web Yoga. Would you believe that I TikToked for the first time last week? So yes, I am on TikTok. <laughs> if you're there, I'd love to see you. Um, but come over and find me. Instagram's probably the the easiest place or Facebook. Send me a message, let me know what you think about this. I'd love to know and your experiences with it if you're willing to share. Um, as I mentioned, you can uh, also head over to the website to grab that free 25-minute class. And if you do, go ahead and grab that. Recognize that every instruction that I give you through the screen is an invitation, nothing more. And the other thing I want to let you know is that uh, in July, so I'm recording this on the 29th of June, so we're one day away from the end of, uh, end of June. From the 1st of July, um, my online membership, my, my online virtual yoga studio, the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, I've made the decision that 5% of member fees will be going to a charitable cause each and every month. And this is really important to me because I really believe that by showing up for ourselves, by stepping onto our mat and saying, like, I am going to look after this being, me, that we already start to make a difference in the world just by showing up for ourselves. And as we get to know ourselves better, as we start to feel better, that impact just grows. And so I really wanted to, to kind of like build that idea into the fabric of what I do. And so that's why I made the decision that 5% of membership will be going to a charitable cause each and every month. And so before you even step onto your mat, you're making a difference. And last little piece of information, July, I will be opening the doors to the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio again. I only open them a few times a year so that when they're closed, I can really focus on giving my members the best possible classes and support that I can. Um, if you know you, you like the flavor of what I'm putting out there, then I would love you to, to check out that class. And if you're interested in the, knowing about the virtual studio when it opens again, there is a spot on my website to pop in your expression of interest just so that you're first on the list uh, to find out more. It's no commitment. Um, and yeah, if you have questions about it, you know where to find me at Erica Web Yoga on all the platforms. So I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'd love to know what you think of that episode. Thank you as always for being here, for listening. We cracked a thousand downloads, which I know in some circles is not a big number, but in this one it is. And I am so grateful for each and every listen. And, you know, if you have the time to subscribe, rate and review, all the better. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day and I'll talk to you soon.